Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Rx, where we sit down with a medical expert and talk about things going on in today's culture. This is a special edition of Pop Culture Rx as we move forward with our pandemic situation and unsure on what's happening next. So we have a special edition today. And if you've been following actress Rebel Wilson on Instagram, you probably know that she's declared 2020 as her year of health and has been hitting the gym six to seven days a week. And her diet, the Mayer Method a restrictive program that claims to achieve weight loss by improving gut health. Okay, gut health. I just needed to say it again. Although sources say that Rebel has achieved amazing results, is this diet actually healthy? So today I'm here with Susan Krauss, a clinical dietitian at Hackensack Meridian Health, And before we hop into this topic, I wanted to ask you, what made you choose a career in nutrition? Well, thank you for asking and thank you for having me here. Of course. Um, First of all, I always loved to cook and I always wanted to help people. So the combination kind of fell in place. I was volunteering at doing hospital work. Um, We always talked about food at home. Uh, Food, of course, surrounds a lot of people's households is something that we um, relate to as far as um, love and as far as showing messages about how we feel about things and um, it's, it's a big social thing so I felt why not do a career that would really encompass all of it. Yeah I mean I 100% agree. I used to say that eating is a hobby of mine so I food is my life. Absolutely and it should be. Yeah. To a degree. Yes of course. So Before we dive in, have you ever even heard of the Mayer Method? Um, Yes. You know, now that, of course, there's always different trends as far as meal plans, um, the hottest program to follow, and especially when celebrities are involved with it, of course, it's going to be on all the headlines. Yes. So what are some top trends besides the Mayer Method? I'm guessing Weight Watchers, or is that not a diet trend? Well, it's, it's something that's more um, acceptable. It's more mainstream. So people say, well, I want to do something that has a quicker effect, quicker results. So that's why people jump onto programs such as the Mayer Method, such as um, any of these combination of high-protein, low-carb programs. People do shakes. People do bars. Um, people do anything that's going to make a promise that they're going to get quick results without a lot of effort. Which probably never works. Absolutely not, which hopefully (laughs) we'll talk about. So what is the Mayer Method? Okay, well the Mayer Method is actually a program that was the brainchild of a physician about 120 years ago, a Franz Xavier Mayer. And he actually was a pioneer in looking at health because years ago he said, you know, there's something about health that can be affected by what we eat. And he truly believed that we could correct a lot of things with looking at our gut. So from that, 
he developed this program. And then, of course, years went by. Of course, things change. But people that were his disciples, you know, kind of embraced it again, um, opened up spas all throughout Europe, um, brought in people like Rebel Wilson, other celebrities to follow it. Um, their issue is we want to have gut health because if you have very healthy gut health, then a lot of other things will follow. Um, of course, other um, medical issues could be controlled. Um, weight control, of course, which, which is a big thing. But they also um, feel that there's things that we have to consider. We have to consider um, being mindful of what you're eating, being aware of your surroundings, be aware of your body and how it responds to things. So those are all positive things. Yeah. They're, they're also big on pushing um, um, exercise, Sounds other complementary therapies such as yoga, um, such as, of course, general exercise, cardio, and weight training. Uh, so, so there's a lot of benefits to it, but there's very specific aspects of, and I don't like to call it a diet, but of the meal plan that they are, they're enforcing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So actually, the first part of the, the program um, pushes the need to restrict from sugar and to restrict from caffeine. Ooh, and that's a tough one. Which is a very tough one. And that could be a, a con for some people. Yeah. Um, to them, they feel it could be a pro because we know caffeine is a stimulant. It could be an irritant for some people. It could affect some people that have reflux issues. Um, it could affect some people acutely with blood pressure issues. So there's definitely, it has drug-like effects, but certainly there's a lot of things that moderate use can be okay, yeah. especially if you're trying to get through a day of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, sugar, I mean, certainly that's not a bad thing to avoid because we know that sugar is an issue. It doesn't give you any nutrients. It's certainly a source of extra calories. It can lead to weight gain. There's a lot of research being done that it could stimulate what they call inflammatory markers, so that could also be a cascade of events as far as medical conditions. As a matter of fact, the amount of sugar, and we're talking about added sugar, okay. that people are eating now has declined over the last decade just because people are cutting back on soft drinks or sugar-containing wow. beverages. However, just to give you an idea, the amount of sugar someone's having on average is about 77 grams a day. Now that's equivalent to 19 teaspoons of sugar a day Ooh. or a little over 300 calories. Wow. The American Heart Association's recommendation for maxing out on added sugar is no more than six teaspoons for women, no more than nine teaspoons for men. So that's okay. about 100 calories extra for women, 150 calories for men. So again, we're talking about 25 to 30 grams of sugar a day. A can of soda has just that amount. Wow. So other aspects of this of this meal plan yeah. is certainly um, restricting from that. So then it's the big promotion of foods that are what they call alkaline promoting. Okay. So we're talking about foods such as mostly plant-based foods. We're talking about a lot of different types of fruits, vegetables, legumes, soy, certain nuts, um, tofu, um, seeds, and that's pretty much the crux of what they're promoting. Um, so they you mentioned alkaline-promoting foods. What does that actually mean for your body? Okay. Because it sounds a little chemical. Right, right. Well, years ago, people followed a different diets called the alkaline ash diet, 
with the same idea, if you can change, which they are promoting or they are theorizing that the alkaline way of eating will change your pH okay. in your body, and that can have very positive medical results. Okay. okay. Now, their reasoning seems to make sense, but our body is a great barometer. So in other words, our blood levels are slightly alkaline. You know, so if you know acid base, yeah. something acidic pH is zero, something very alkaline, the pH is 14. Our blood levels is about 7.3, 7.4. Our gastro levels in our stomach is very acidic. In yes. order to break down food, it has to be acidic. And that's more like three or under. Okay. Now, when we take food in and we're breaking it down, the body tries desperately to keep the pH as neutral as possible. So what happens is as the body's, we're digesting the food, the kidneys are there to keep things at bay. And so the urine either becomes more acidic, more alkaline in order to keep the pH stable. So as much as the theory is you want to change the pH in your body, it really doesn't happen. So the pH always stays at a stable amount, okay? Okay. But I have to add, though, because one thing that's the positive thing about eating foods that will al be alkaline-promoting is if you, your urine is more alkaline, that could be a very positive thing, okay? Okay. People that do have a tendency towards kidney stones or urinary tract infections, it seems to be that those people might have more acidic urine. When you're having things more alkaline promoting, it might prevent the stones from forming or might dissolve the stones. Okay. So paradoxically speaking, when I see patients that have kidney stones, I will tell them to have lemon water every day. Now lemon is typically acid, but it does convert and it makes the urine alkaline. Yeah, and actually I've read a ton of articles always saying start your day with lemon water, like lukewarm lemon water, and that's how you should start your metabolism and get everything kind of moving and grooving, and I always, always read that. Yeah, I'm not sure how much it'll get everything moving, but I think it's a good way just to get get you started. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, so, so their premise is that, so again, the pH theory, it's not completely there, even though it, it could be positive as far as urinary um, alkaline levels. Okay. Their other issue is having minimal dairy, having minimal gluten. And when we talk about gluten, we're talking about foods that have gluten contain wheat, barley, rye, and then certain oats that might be cross-contaminated with gluten, so it would include the oats. They're also saying minimum dairy. Now, some of the theories out there will say that dairy can be acid-promoting, mm -hmm. and also gluten-containing products can possibly be pro-inflammatory. Okay. So what's the take on that? Well, you know, I, I don't like to ever say to a patient, um, don't ever have that or don't have certain foods that they yeah. want to fit in. And certainly dairy products can be incorporated into any healthy meal plan. You know, we're talking about a protein source, we're talking about calcium source, vitamin D, because most of the time it's, it's fortified. Mm -hmm. So if people wanted to incorporate that in, in the form of low fat or fat free 
milk products, whether it's yogurt, whether it's milk itself, whether it's low-fat cheese, it certainly can be done. Now, for those people that say, I don't want to use it, I can't tolerate milk, there's a lot of plant-based milks out there. Oh, yeah. Um, that are fortified with the calcium and vitamin D because we do need the calcium, we do need the vitamin D. As far as the gluten, um, I mean, I have people that have celiac disease. There are some people that might have gluten hypersensitivities. Yep, I'm one of them. Are you really? Yes, I'll be gluten-free now for a year in September. And? Does it make and, a difference? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was experiencing all types of crazy stuff. It changed my whole diet. It changed the way I feel. It's, wow. For me, it's it was a great move. That's but great. But for some, I mean, I would love a piece of Italian bread. Yeah, of course. That would be great. <laughs> But for some, it's just a little harder to get rid of. Oh, definitely. I mean, gluten-containing products, I mean, gluten-free products are, again, more available. Oh, yeah. Uh, because a lot of people are, are embracing that. Yes, um, thank God, because yeah. I couldn't live without pasta. I know. my own. One of my sons actually has celiac. And uh, 10 years ago, when he was diagnosed, there, there were, weren't a lot of products, so yeah. it's made a big difference. But what I do have to say about that is if I do have people that say, you know, I want to try it, because I'm not feeling well, just like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, we certainly say you could try it because there are alternative grains that you could use. Oh, yeah. um, so again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be deficient because you're avoiding it, as, as you see. As you oh, see. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this plan is they don't um, advocate snacking. Okay. So certainly, if someone wants to eat a healthy meal plan, it doesn't mean snacks can't be included. You know, that that's an individual thing. You know, it, it depends on how people want to plan, plan eating plans, but certainly some people need to have something to keep them going during the day. Um, the other big thing is does that advocate drinking prior to and with your meals? Um, their theory is because it'll dilate, dilute the digestive enzymes. Actually, I don't drink any type of liquid when I eat meals. So what does that mean in terms of should I be, shouldn't I be? Okay. Well, the answer is you can. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, because again, just like the pH, our body has checks and balances. So when we're drinking something and we're drinking a lot, um, even though the food, if we talk, you know, in basic digestion, starts from your mouth, goes down through your esophagus, and, and it's, it starts to, the breakdown process actually from your mouth through the esophagus down to your stomach, the enzymes will actually attach to the food. So, so any fluid that you're having is not going to dilute them out. Um, and if anything, when people do drink fluid with their meal, it actually helps soften the food and prepare for digestion a little bit easier. But again, that's an indi individual take on yeah. your part. The, the thing is though, even if someone has a lot of fluid in the system and temporarily the acid load is a little bit lower, our body will produce more acid to compensate. So again, it's a checks and balances. So that's not necessarily um, a, um, a, a truism as far as this happening. Yeah, okay. so one thing you didn't mention was protein. You didn't mention anything about if protein was a part of this diet, not a part of this diet. What I've seen and what I've read, because they do have a book out there called I'm Viva sure. Mayer Diet, um, because anything that's, that's available to read, they don't give a lot of information. But they will give 
proteins such as fish because it has rich in omega-3s, so that's anti-inflammatory. They will give eggs to people. They will give goat milk cheese to people. And of certainly using legumes because, again, the fact that it has that alkaline effect, promoting effect. Um, the other thing about eating those type of foods is also it's high in fiber. So as far as maybe it's not affecting the pH so much in our digestive system for gut health, we know that fiber is beneficial for gut health for other reasons. It's going to keep regularity, and also um, the different types of fiber are the food for the probiotics, and they're sometimes called prebiotics. Yeah. So, so the thing is, if you're having a lot of different diversified food sources, that's also going to lead to diversification of the beneficial bacteria in someone's GI tract. Yeah, so it kind of sounds like they're trying to make this method or, you know, this diet or food plan, but it's really kind of all over the place. It's yes, like it saying is. you should eat healthy. Absolutely. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> but it but it wouldn't be as fashionable, you know, no. because again, you know, what goes around comes around many, many times. And like you mentioned before, Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. Weight Watchers does not have the same appeal, the, the sex appeal, yeah. which it should, as compared to a plan like Rebel Wilson's promoting. Now, yes. the Mediterranean way of eating is yeah. certainly the way people ate years ago um, along the countries that, that were along the Mediterranean. And they basically use food that was minimally processed and lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and um, certainly um, lean protein. And that's basically what it boils down to. They also drank wine, but this program does not advocate wine or alcohol. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what is it when it comes to long-term weight loss, what kind of diet would be sustainable? Because this diet doesn't sound sustainable. I need my coffee, I need my tea, I need my sugars, I need all my fruits. Right. What's something that would be sustainable for weight loss? Okay, first of all, I don't wanna call it a diet. Okay. okay, no diet. Because that automatically sets up the idea in your head to say, okay, a diet, so this could be short term. So I'm gonna do it for something and I can't wait to get off of it. <laughs> All right, so we don't want that to happen. All right, so we want something that's, like you said, long-term. So number one, you want to think variety, just exactly what you're saying. Um, and even initially, if someone says, well, I want to have a jump start, so I'm going to cut out some extra things, so I start to see results, I feel good, I'm motivated to keep going, that's fine. But you want to think of all what we used to call the basic four food groups when I took home ec years ago, but certainly when we people look at my plate, where they're looking at a variety of different foods. So you want to embrace it all. You want to think of color, you know, as far as those foods. Other big thing for long-term success is planning. So planning if you're going someplace. Planning for if you're going out to dinner, you're going on vacation. Indulgences. It doesn't mean you can't indulge, you know, which also brings me to the thought that you need to be forgiving with yourself if you do have something or you have a day that, you know, I'm going to hang out and, and just munch all day and not exercise, okay? The other big thing is exercise because that is something we have to keep active. We have to keep our body moving in order 
for us to get the benefits of, of what it's all about. Yeah. Um, eating throughout the day. You know, there's people that will do one meal a day. It sets them up for failure, you know, besides also not giving you the stamina, not making you feel at your best maybe when you're working or at school because your brain needs fuel as well as the rest of the body. And it also keeps you kind of on track with what you're doing. So um, you brought up one, one meal a day and how people don't have stamina. What about those who are intermittent fasting? Right. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I was, I was just on a call with someone who was intermittently fasting. And of course, it's defined differently. You know, some people will say, I'm going to do one meal in the morning, and then I'm going to do one later, and then I'm going to stop at a certain time. So that could be beneficial too, especially if someone is a, a big grazer or nibbler at nighttime to say, I'm stopping, so I'm not allowing myself to have it. I think people have to look at what are they having for the meals? Is that going to work for you? There are, there are different studies out there looking at intermittent fasting to say, is there a metabolic edge when people do that? And some people say there might be, but I think there has to be more research being done to look at that. When people really limit their food, though, then, again, you're not getting all the nutrition that, that, that your you need. body needs. So you have to say, is that a sustainable thing? Okay. The other big thing is knowing your triggers. Because, you know, we might set ourselves up. I remember having a client once who came in. She said, you know, I, I, you know, I started eating the candy that was in the house and the cake. And I said, well, who brought that in? So she said, I did. So I said, well, what made you bring it in? She says, because I felt it would make me stronger. Don't let yourself be vulnerable to situations. If you see when I go here, I have to bring something with me. Or every time I get on the phone with this particular person, um, I'm munching out. You know, you want to see what the situation is, how you've reacted in the past, and see what you could do to ex express your stress or blow off things in a different way than going to food. Okay? Oh, 100%. I yes. mean, every time you go into Battleview Orchards, you have to pick up the donuts that are there because they are just so delicious. Or right now, for me, it's plants, not food, at Trader Joe's. Every time I go to Trader Joe's, I have to get a plant um, or a new type of cookie that's there. So I, and of me course and that they, lady are one and the same. And you know the way marketing is, they put the, of course, those things right in the front when you come oh, in. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of so course. they know, they know that when I'm coming in, this is what I'm going to get. Yes. Yes. They know you along with everybody else. Yeah. Right. And you only go in for one thing and then you end up with like a whole basket full of things of and $200 later. I do the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to set realistic goals too. So, you know, if someone's going to say, I'm going to run a marathon in six months and they're, they're doing 5Ks, you know, maybe that's not so, such a good idea. And really be realistic, but be good to yourself. You know, again, you want to treat yourself well and not give yourself a hard time. Um, that was part of the forgiving. The other thing is checks and balances. So some people feel if, if you know, they weigh in once a week or they keep, be, keep track with the food lock or they go to a support group or something that's going to keep them kind of on track. Um, a lot of people find that's helpful. Some people find it becomes obsessive when they do it. So I'm doing, I'm saying do it in a way that you feel it's going to help you. Um, I wanted to mention there's actually an organization called the National Weight Control Registry. 
and it's the largest prospective investigation of people that have maintained their weight of at least a 30-pound weight loss and more over a period of time. And people could get online and register. It was founded in 1994 by two psychologists, um, Rena Wing and um, James Hill. And, and they really wanted to see what is the typical pattern of people that are successful. And what they found that um, 75% did weigh themselves only once a week, 78% ate breakfast, okay. and 62% limited screen time um, less than 10 hours per week. Those are all very hard things for me. Okay. <laughs> and, and again, it takes time. You know, like everything else, it takes time. You can't expect things to change immediately. Taking a step back, what would be the one thing, if you were to only give one piece of advice today for long-term weight loss and food goals? I would say enjoy your food make an experience and making an experience and really be involved in the moment just like you were saying before that you know it's a social thing because I think too many of us grab and go we don't taste our food and I think that also adds to um, not having the satisfaction that you've actually eaten a meal and enjoyed it and food is good oh yeah I, I definitely are a foodie too yeah so before I wrap anything up today, is there anything else you'd like to add? You know, with all the plans out there, just like the mayor plan, just like all the ones that are on the market, um, I think it makes people very um, self-conscious as far as feeling that they know what to do. And I think people have to have that intuition to say, you know, I, I can make a good decision myself. I know what foods are healthier than others. And if I go to my instinct, my intuition, I could really create a plan that is healthy for me and sustainable and, and get the results I want. Sounds good to me. Well, yeah. thank you so much yeah, for being you. on today. Thank you. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.